This is a great episode. I, you know, I, I, we were joking around. I literally call him the most interesting man in the world. This is Dr. Robert Masson, who's a neurosurgeon. Uh, he, he has just an amazing philosophy on the treatment of spine injury. It's a very holistic approach. He calls it the 360 approach, where it's the entire you know, continuum of care. He talks about abilities, not disabilities. It's just it's a fascinating listen as to his philosophy on how he cares for patients. But, you know, neurosurgery is really just his day job. I mean, this guy has got a lot going on. He's literally was a professional race car driver with his son, Kyle, got invited to Le Mans in 2020, but then had COVID hit. He's climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. I mean, the dude's a pilot. I'm like, I mean, it's crazy all the stuff that he's done. It really is. It's a great episode. I know you're going to love it. Hashtag follow the fro. This episode of the Ortho Show podcast is brought to you by ModMed, envisioning a world where the orthopedic software we build increases practice success and improves patient outcomes. ModMed offers an intelligent ortho-specific cloud platform of healthcare IT solutions that help surgeons and staff save time, drive efficiency, and elevate patient experiences. To learn more and see a demo of the number one EHR system, EMMA, as well as practice management, revenue cycle management, analytics, patient engagement tools, and more, visit modmed.com slash orthopod. That's modmed.com slash orthopod. Modmed. It's about time. From Medical Media, this is The Ortho Show. Hello world, Dr. Scott Sigmund, your favorite opioid sparing orthopedic surgeon here for another episode of the Ortho Show podcast, where we bring you the best of the best in the orthopedic space. And of course, today is absolutely no exception. I'm actually very excited about this episode. We have Dr. Robert Masson on, who's the medical director and founder of the Masson Spine Institute, uh, both out of Orlando, Florida, as well as out of Park City. Uh, his, his tagline, which I love, which we're going to have to dive into in a little bit, which is that he is a sports spine surgeon. Uh, he's neurosurgeon by training, but I think he, he wants to be an orthopedic surgeon somewhere in there too. And uh, hey, Robert, it's a pleasure to have you on. Yeah. Hey, Scott, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Our, our circles have been shrinking for a while, so it's great to finally meet you. Yeah, no, we've been uh, we've been virtually uh, together for a while, but we're, we're seeing each other for the first time. And, you know, it's funny. Speaking of which, you know, I was just getting off the phone with Matthew Ray Scott. We were talking about our physician branding class, and I, he was just so complimentary of you. And I, and I was just thinking, as I was reading, you know, we do our research, Robert. We want to make sure that we got people know, you know, exactly what who it is and what we're talking to. But I couldn't help thinking to myself, you know, that you and Matthew Ray Scott, like, are in smoking jackets in some, in front of a fireplace. And, you know, we're, we're filming a Dos Equis commercial on the most interesting man in the world who's a pilot, race car driver, mountain climber, and by the way, neurosurgeon as well. But no, it's really great to have you on. Yeah, no, you just described Buckaroo Banzai, who was a hero of mine when I was in college. So I get it. <laughs> so, no, that, that's great. So let's let's start where, where it all began. It sounds to me like in, in my research that you grew up in Los Angeles. Yeah, grew up in West L.A., went to Palisades High School. And went to Florida for college, uh, chasing a football scholarship and trying to get to something better. So it was good. And so, so you know, it's not uncommon that athletes, you know, that, that want to get into medicine 
you know, find their way to something that they could do with the sports world as well. Was that, was that something that you were destined for or, or did that sort of chase up to you later? No, it's a, it's, it's an important question because I was so young and immature. And even though I was crystal clear that I loved the sports and, you know, a performance inspired world, I was so drawn in neurosurgically to the technical cranial intense um, high tech stuff, but it was such a mismatch for my, my person, um, you know, in retrospect, I, I, you know, when, when I was a resident, you know, 130 hours, we didn't have the 60 hour clock. Um, you know, it was every other night in house called neurosurgery. I was still playing uh, all the intramural sports with the ortho residents. You know, I, every step of the way, personally, I was involved with all, all of orthopedics, but then I was chasing skull base surgery, cerebrovascular surgery, happened to be part of a really important spine center. So I had incredible experience in it. But neurosurgeons, as a fact, it's a, it's a general fact. There are exceptions, obviously. Neurosurgeons don't respect spine the way they respect cranial. And, uh, and I think it translates in some ways. And I, I, I don't want to say that in a mean way. I want to say it in an encouraging way. I want neurosurgeons to respect spine surgery for what it is. You're, you're way too cool to be a brain surgeon. I mean, that's just, let's just face it. I mean, it, it is what it is, but you know, for the listeners out there, and I think there's some, sometimes a lot of confusion, um, you know, when you think about spine surgery, right? I mean, is it an orthopedic surgeon or is it a neurosurgeon? And, and that area in particular has been a crossover for both specialties. And, uh, and you're right. I mean, a lot of the neurosurgeons and a lot of what happens now around the spine is instrumented, meaning you're putting in stuff, right? And so neurosurgeons, you know, when you're working in the brain, you're not putting anything in typically. But, uh, you know, so getting that training to be able to get there, uh, it's common ground for both. And, and there really are exquisite spine surgeons, both out of the neurosurgical field as there are out of the orthopedic surgical field as well. So so it's interesting. Sorry, right, see so you. So you figure it out. You're, you know, you did the neurosurgical thing, but you're, you're really attracted to the sports and the activity stuff. And that seems to be a part of your persona. And then you decide that, that you wanted to really dive into the spine side of things. Now, did you start the, the, your, the Masson Spine Institute right out of residency? I mean, did you have that idea? Uh, not, not quite. I wasn't quite ready. I, my first, I took a job in uh, Olympia, Washington, just south of Seattle for about four years. And, uh, and honestly, the reason we left was my wife. I was ready to pivot to Seattle in a private practice, but we ended up coming to Florida. My wife hated the Pacific Northwest weather, the rain and the gloom. And I'll never forget my racing, my, uh, you know, Rolex 24 winning firstborn son. I came home one day from the hospital and we had this like eighth of a mile through big pine driveway to this little house back in a pasture. And, there's a little circle and Kyle was two years old and he was in his yellow Jeep in the pouring rain and a raincoat driving in circles. My wife was shrouded in the uh, Jeep Grand Cherokee just with the misery look of death. And I was like, uh Oh, we're not going to last year. So, so <laughs> we ended up uh, coming back to family in Florida. So rest is history. We started it and never looked back. All right. So man, that, that's not, that, you make it seem like it's uh, no big deal. You know, I just came home and I started the spine Institute, but you know, that's not a typical path. When was this? What year was that? 1999? 1999. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're contemporaries. I mean, in 1999, nobody set up their own institute. You went and you, you either went into academics or you joined, joined a private practice, especially with, 
with neurosurgery. I mean, you need call, you need people to help you and all that kind of good stuff. So where was the idea to just set up your own center? Well, I, I, I had friends here and they kind of merged with me immediately. Okay. Set it up together. And then, you know, Orlando's a, a shark infested town and uh, you know, they kind of went off to their own universes and I s- stayed in Orlando and, and fought, fought everyone off. Uh, the whole time, so <laughs> so so we didn't call you didn't call it the Masson uh, Spine Institute until you kicked the other guys out because then you could be yeah. the only guy. <laughs> well, it was Neuro Spine Institute, literally okay. for many many years. But you started copying that name, and I had trademarks. I don't fight backwards; I fight forwards. So I was like, "Screw it, we're going all in. Let them copy my name, Chanel, wow. Coco Chanel, flattery." <laughs> I, I, I love it. So you know, you're, the entrepreneurial spirit is 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 large, right? You're saying because I mean that's one of the things that people forget. You know, I'm going to a doctor. He's going to help me. He's going to heal my individual issue, knee, shoulder, spine, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, you know, we're running a business, and you you have employees, and you you have to pay bills, and and it, you know, some people are better at it than others, and. So I look at you and, and and I see a master marketer. You're able to develop a, a brand that attracts patients to you, which I think is is really like the ultimate way to practice medicine, right? Half the battle is get the patient in the room that wants to be there to see you. And then you go and have your discussion. So how did that develop? How did you... How did you know that being a sports spine surgeon, having a destination center and developing this holistic approach was going to sort of generate this business for you? Uh, it's a really important question, and especially for younger people who are still motivated towards someday being independent. It didn't happen like in a moment. Like uh, I, I left Washington immediately. It, it was, and I was there and it was great. It was a forever, it was really my journey personally in trying to figure out who I was at different phases of my life and where I wanted to go, but always where I wanted to go. And as I, as I got older, I started realizing the technical aspects of what I did were critical to the eventuality, but they weren't what I loved about it. What I loved about it was the community I was building around me through, you know, I I don't like the word patient to me. It's impersonal. Uh, Everyone's in my community once. and, and, And the older I've gotten, the more inclusive and the more intimate that, community participation was even, you know, the word marketing seems foreign to me because I've never had a business class, but it's always been about messaging because I don't feel like we walk the walk enough to inspire people to do what we ask them to do. So I've always felt it was really critical that I present a, a layer of, uh, he's not, he's not a hypocrite. He, 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 Practices what he preaches personally in his family life and his friend life, ultimately his community life. And, and so the message just got more and more focused, more and more clear. All of our design elements were always performance. It started with technical performance, but, you know, as you go from a rookie in a major sport and you eventually become Tom Brady, you know, go you learn that it's not about your technical skills. It's about your leadership, about your team building, about, you know, hiring talent, securing talent, staying loyal to talent. Um, I'm so much better with my team than I am alone. And, and we built that team meticulously over years. So it's a, it's a gift that keeps on giving when you think that way. And um, so it's really been a process more than an endpoint 
Like, where is it going to go from here? I don't know if I can get more focused. I'm, I've kind of whittled myself down into such a narrow little box. <laughs> so, well, but then you're, but then you're expert. I mean, that's what, that's what, you know, I'm the same way. I mean, I really, if I'm going to walk into the operating room, I want to know that I can do that surgery as good as anybody on the planet. And I want to feel comfortable as I'm walking in to do that surgery. I don't ever want to be out of my comfort zone. But let's, I mean, let's talk about the specifics of this a little bit, because it, it's really a culture that you've developed. It's not necessarily a practice, right? And, that, and that's a culture. And first and foremost, the, the leader of that culture is healing by example. So let's, so let's talk about that specifically. You know, what aspects of your life that you do on a daily basis, let's say even outside of you know, taking care of your, your community, if you will, your patients, but what are you doing to, to sort of show people what, how you live your life and, and how they should be living theirs? You know, so locally, whether it be here or Park City, uh, people that eventually, you know, may be friends, they may be patients, community members, but they see me out and about. They see me at LA Fitness. They see me at the Mark in Park City. They see me out on the slopes, on my mountain bike. Uh, you know, I, 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 I've given myself balance as a smarter, older neurosurgeon. When I was young, you know, like my firstborn, the reason I committed to the racing journey was Kyle never saw me when he was a kid. I was head of the trauma system at a level one trauma center in Orlando, Orlando Regional. Never around, always busy, always, always unapologetic about how busy I was. And uh, it pivoted, you know, when uh, the kids, Kyle was starting to be about eight, nine, and I got more involved in their lives. And uh, so I, I think burnout, a lot of people talk about it. For me, I went through my own unique kind of burnout. And, and the solution was put happiness and balance and family back in my life. And be unapologetic for that, not what I started with, which was my work, my necessity or burden or obligation or duty, whatever, whatever the community puts on us. Once we get this little degree thing, uh, you know, I, I pivoted. I, I was like, no, my obligation is the marathon to, 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 to serve my whole life through and, and do it in a way where I can be healthy, happy and, and positive. So. It's it's hard what we do. I mean, you know, to go through the rigors of a residency training and fellowship and to get the reps early on in your career that sort of get you to the master status, right? And, and sometimes you get lost in that and it's not inducive to, you know, a fatherly home family life as a husband as well. But sometimes, you know, I think that's wonderful that you sort of found the balance now at this point and then you incorporate that into your lifestyle and you know, your, your kids are, if you love your kids, they love you. Hopefully they're never going anywhere. But, you know, one of the other things that, that I really get a sense that's just sort of uh, pervasive in your messaging is your holistic approach to healing. And so many doctors, we get caught up in the idea if a patient comes to see you, it's a knee, it's a shoulder, it's a cervical disc, it's spinal stenosis. It's not that, right? It's a patient. That diagnosis and that, that process is part of a human being that has lots of things that are happening around in their lives. So I'd really like you to discuss you know, your 360 approach because I do think it's really unique uh, in, in how you're approaching spinal you know, health, if you will, and not necessarily just a surgical intervention. Yeah, no, the, I grew up in spine, like everyone does, treating spine disease. And I've evolved into understanding that these are well people with or without an abnormality who some suddenly have a spine episode of care, spine health crisis. And, you know, and it, it sounds like such a trivial semantic point, but the reality is 
if if you reflect on the person's journey, and most of these people will have one small blip in a long lifetime journey, and and we're trained to look at the whole journey and try to reverse that somehow surgically magically. And the reality is something happened to tip them over the edge. And and uh, so to me, the surgical episode becomes a very precise, small, focused, hard to figure out opportunity to get them back to their holistic journey, which was fine, which was mobile, which was agile, you know, and, and to, a, to a fault for people who gave up on that, I've become separate from that because that's just not who I am and what I want to do these days. I, I focus on people that fell off that cliff, want to get back up on. And, uh, but, but the critical part is the, the commitment to fitness to, you know, nobody's perfect. I, and it, and it, it sometimes feels like pressure. Oh, wow. I can't be that perfect. No, be better than you would have been without it, you know, and, you know, go through your steps, your pillars, your balances and the people who show up strong. That's been our motto for years do 10 times better than the people that don't. And, 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 and that one of the critical things about spine surgery that's so frustrating lifelong is everyone coaches them shut down. Oh my God, you have a spine problem shut down. You know, I really sought out mentors in orthopedics, Jim Andrews, Dick Stedman, and looked at that uh, transition from arthroscopic surgery to the culture of sports medicine, you know, at the time that they were just arthroscopic surgeons, which is MIS, minimally invasive surgery, where I came from, uh, you know, that was a gimmick, according to the experts, according to the big academia and uh, all of the, the status quo. But boy, did they eventually realize we have something bigger than that. It's culture and it's sports orthopedics. Well, you know, fast forward, I'm trying to follow their playbook about, you know, spine is the same damn thing. It's just a very coveted part of our, our core. And, uh, you know, it needs to have that holistic wellness performance activity based goal structure. And my first questions in clinic are, what are your goals? You know, I, I know why you're here. What are your goals? How, how are we going to transcend this? And, uh, you know, and that, that creates a different recovery path. And, you know, so when I think 360 degrees of care, I'm thinking, okay, how do we go from starting point, into the healthcare crisis, exit back to starting point. Not starting point at 18, starting point at the crisis. So it's a different timeline than I think most fine people understand. Yeah, and, and hence the, the term sports spine surgeon. I think that uh, that's not by accident that that, uh, that that terminology, you know, came together. Uh, and, you know, it is, it's a privilege, right, to be able to care for patients, especially when they, when you know that they're, they're seeking you out, right, specifically for treatment, and you sort of reach that level, and, and then to be able to provide them counsel across an entire spectrum of, of that process, uh, and hopefully they're motivated to be able to do that. And spine surgery in particular, I mean, indications are, are, are just as critical as surgical technique, right? You know, it's like, the hardest part is, should I? Yeah. yeah. Not even close. Yeah, Lyle McCallie, who's one of the most famous uh, uh, pediatric sports medicine, orthopedic surgeons. Uh, one favorite line that I've had that, that uh, he always used to say is that, you know, unindicated surgery, you know, done well does better than uh, indicated surgery done poorly. 
So somewhere there's a balance of finding what the right thing is. And there's been transition in spine too. Now Uh, a lot of newer, newer, newer techniques are available as well, but you know, it's interesting. You know, let's talk a little bit about the balance of your life, because I think you have some really fascinating things that you do outside of clinical practice. And you, you've been mentioning it, your son's name is Kyle. Is that correct? Yeah. Kyle's my yeah. first one. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, you guys are like race car drivers and I'm not like, you know, going down, you know, taking out your little portion, put it on the track and like, try to be cool. I mean, you guys are like the real deal. So tell us about this. This is pretty cool. You know, honestly, right now I'm kind of in pseudo retirement mode, but we had a good six year run of it. Kyle, Kyle got really successful. He was, uh, He's been in the Rolex 24 or five times. He's won it once. He and I were teammates. We came in second in the prototype class. And, uh, you know, he's won the Sebring 12-hour twice. Uh, we, we raced in um, sports car class. We went through the traditional American racing school journey. Got through it pretty quick. And I was a chaperone, but one of the dads was teaching me how to hold an umbrella over Kyle's car. And I kind of freaked out and signed up for the course. <laughs> and became one of the, so next thing you know, Kyle was beating me badly day one. He was just learning how to drive, right? And uh, I started chasing my my kid and uh, just kept chasing him. And as he started getting faster, faster, faster and moving up, he left me in the lower class and I had to get to the higher class so I could chase him again. And before you knew it, we were in the American Sports Car Pro class. And uh, so we ended up doing two Rolex 24s together in the Le Mans prototype. And we were this close to going to Le Mans in 2020, June 13th, 14th. We were an American privateer team that got an entry to Le Mans, which is exceptionally rare, and uh, COVID. And so as a first-generation French-American, I missed my best return to country of all time. Um, I, that, that, would, that would have been fantastic. Do you, are, you, are you familiar with Andrew Wickline? Do you know Andrew, who's an orthopedic surgeon? Yeah. yeah, so, you know, he's another one of these uh, – real deal professional sort of race car uh, dudes. And, uh, you know, I, he, he describes it and, and, uh, and I'm sure it's very similar, you know, it's like surgery. You've got to plan super well, right. You have this thing, which could be incredibly dangerous, which it is right. I mean, even if you're operating on somebody's cervical spot, it's not exactly, you know, you know, play, uh, a play date. And so you have to make sure that you're prepared and you do all of that. And then you can uh, potentially and hopefully have a very safe venture. You know, there, it's a metaphor for surgery, honestly. you Everything is ahead. You're, you're ahead of everything. If you're reacting, it's too late. You screwed up. It's 100%, you know, execution of visualized task. And, and you memorize every detail and you, you adapt to every input. It's, it's amazing. And surgery is the same, or it could be the same. It's our, our opportunity to make it the same. So Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. One of the things that, that uh, one of our... our Dear friends from the Ortho Show is Danny Glow for Precision OS. And I think that you also are in that space a little bit too with augmented reality and virtual reality. I think that's going to be one of the most amazing tools for being able to teach our younger residents and fellows to, to the, the tools of surgery without necessarily you know, hurting people, but getting early on in a unique kind of way. So what's going on with XX? Yeah, XX. One of your projects as well? I'll be in Boston next Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday for uh, investor meetings for XX. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, I can't go into much detail, but I'll just say that we're pursuing augmented reality from an operating room logistics perspective and uh, management strategy 
So, and it's we'll keep- not specific to what you or I do. It's it's a lot bigger than that. I I, I stole it from the racing journey. I'll leave it at that. I, oh, that's I pretty cool. My racing journey by my intense scrutiny of every detail of data and uh, how they manage racing at large and applied it to OR management. So, yeah, there's that that crossbreeding happens, right? When you become, you know, successful at different things, and then you see that there's nuances between the two, and then maybe you come up with really cool ideas that weren't there before, and, and that's really fascinating. So, all right, so you're a pilot too, dude. You're flying planes routinely. I retired from that recently. I sold my plane for Christmas, so I'm done. Yeah, I flew for 30 years. I had a twin engine Baron, and uh, yeah, yeah, that was that was in my family. I my grandfather, my other grandfather, my great-grandfather, Gates Flying Circus. So we have a long history of, of men with poor judgment in my family line. So uh, I was right there along with them. But I did that before I was a doctor. So I, I never tolerated the you know infamous doctor death uh, concept. Yeah, I mean that's for the, for the listeners out there. They tell you, you know, as a, as a doctor, do not learn to become a pilot later in right. life because you feel like you can get out of every situation, and uh, and yeah. that that may not be the case up in the air. So you learned, you did it the right way. You learned to be a pilot first, and then a yeah. doctor second. So, all right, good for you. That's great. And then you know, one of your other little venture things that we found along the way is that you love to do all this outdoor stuff, and you know, you're climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. Are you still climbing mountains at this point, or is that? Uh, it's always available. I'm trying to get my older two kids to do something like that with me. You know, they're, they, so far they've said no. So I just haven't found the right one. One of my friends, Chris Warner, just summited the third highest peak in the world, an 8,000 meter peak in Nepal. Again, he was our team leader for the uh, Kilimanjaro thing in 2014 for cancer. And uh, so Chris is always game to jump on uh, a climb with me. That's more my pedestrian level. But uh, but I don't see myself doing any eight thousand meter peaks. But but who knows? Uh, it's out there. I mean, the, the, we 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 stay in shape because we don't know what we're going to say yes to next time. I, uh, I, I I love the concept. Uh, a friend of mine who succumbed to cancer a couple of years ago. She had this say yes attitude, and she did seven Ironman triathlons after her breast cancer diagnosis. But she was a say yes human, and she was the one that asked me to do the Kelly trip, and. Uh, I tell you, I'm always ready for that, whatever's coming that I didn't expect, if it sounds good enough, cool enough, special enough to jump in. And, and that's kind of where I am in my life personally right now. Yeah, that, that's a great philosophy. So listen, for our listeners, give, give us just a short you know, thought or philosophy you know, for patients that have you know, potential spine injuries. What, what, what's the message that you give to them across the entire spectrum of, of, of the process of healing? You know, the most important part about navigating spine problems while trying to be able-bodied, you know, wounded warriors being great examples. So many of them have so many catastrophic injuries, but the whole premise is not their disabilities, but their abilities. And spine falls into that exactly. You know, find out what you can do. It's not about what you can't do. That's, that's a, a good judgment moment. That's a box you check. Okay, every time I do this, I have an adverse consequence. Guess what? That's a poor choice. On the other hand, find out ways to do this, 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 and this. And find out where you can get, one, the joy, two, the practice, three, the, you know, the physical capabilities that come with that process. 
and, 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 and subtract adversity as far as events. And before you know it, you're, you're as independent and mobile and agile and life affirming as you need, as anyone should be. But there's just such a tendency to focus on what we can't do. And uh, I, that's one of the reasons I love the Wounded Warrior program. You know, I'm out there doing double black skiing in Park City with guys on monoskis with no legs. They hurt. They're doing dips to get on the chairlift. There's not a whimper out of them. I, I feel like the weakling in the group, you know, when I'm trying to keep up with them. So it, it, mindset is so key. And spine disease is front and center, biggest opportunity in orthopedics to raise the bar on how to adaptively be fit and, and, and purposeful. And, and uh, that's what I love about it. And that's why this sport's fine. It doesn't mean pro athletes. Yeah, I've got my handful of those. It's about anybody who sees themselves doing something magnificent in their lives and, and goal-oriented, purpose-oriented uh, spine surgery. And, and that's a happy zone for me. And uh, when I stay in that zone, I'm happy. And when I don't, I regret it. So I'm really trying to keep messaging on point, hence the marketing. So. No, no, I love it. So, you know, so, so it's all about mindset. Focus on your abilities, not on your disabilities. Subtract your diversity and, and develop a plan. And I mean, that's, uh, that's really you know, sound advice. It's not, it's not what you hear from many spine surgeons. For many spine surgeons, it's uh, I do my minimally invasive spine surgery, come to me, I'll do the surgery and, you know, you'll get on with your life. And so that whole holistic focus, I think that I'm going to give you another tagline where you can use it or you don't, if you don't want, it's fine, but holistic, you know, spine healing with humility by Dr. Robert Masson. So, you know, we really, it's been a real pleasure to talk to you, Robert. I think that your entire philosophy and mindset on, on spinal healing is quite unique. You know, you have, you, you heal by example, which I love your 360 approach as well. It's really been a pleasure having you on the show. Uh, well, thank you so much, Scott. We've got to get Matthew. We need to get a group together and go do something incredible together. Be I better fun. get, I better get to the gym, man. If I'm going to be hanging out with you guys and be climbing down. <laughs> Maybe I'm having an effect on you too. Uh, I love it. I'm gonna. My wife is listening, so she's gonna hold it to me for sure. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. All good. This is Dr. Scott Sigmund. Hashtag follow the fro, host of the Ortho Show. Till next time.